0: This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 80 of Feedroom Chemist. Today we are going to be discussing a few of the yeast ingredients that are often added to horse feeds and supplements. But before we get into that, I want to remind you all that I just launched social media pages for Feed Room Chemist. So you can follow me now on Facebook or Instagram. Just search at Dr. Jimmy. That's at D-R-J-Y-M-E. Once you're there, I would love for you guys to write a review. Um, or even if you want, just drop a comment and let me know, you know, what kind of impact this podcast has had on you and your horses. Literally that positive feedback is what keeps me going. It keeps me inspired and it keeps me motivated to keep doing these episodes. So I, I really do appreciate the time that that you guys um, take to leave those reviews and and leave those comments. So today's episode was inspired by questions from two different listeners. I am going to read both questions so that you can kind of get a feel for where these listeners were coming from. The first comes in from Nikki, who says, Dr. Jimmy, my grandmother gave all of her animals brewer's yeast. My mother gave all of our dogs brewer's yeast. My ducklings are supposed to get brewer's yeast, and now my vet recommended giving all of our horses brewer's yeast. What is this miracle yeast, and is it just an old wives' tale, or is there benefit to feeding? I feel like I'm just carrying on a family tradition right now. Thanks for answering. That's a great question, Nikki. Um, But before we get into it, I'm going to read a second question, uh, which comes in from a, a listener named Amanda. Amanda says, I enjoy your podcast, Dr. Nichols. With so many supplement products on the market, it can be really difficult to sort through the marketing. I would appreciate a dive into the various yeast species used in the stride animal health products. Specifically, she was interested in the clobaromyces marxianus and the saccharomyces cerviceae. She goes on to say, I know that in probiotics, strain is very specific to efficacy. Live yeast, I assume, would be the same. I also wonder about the benefit of live bacteria and yeast over yeast culture and cell wall components. There's a lot riding on the direct fed microbial arriving in the lower GI tract alive to colonize and have positive effects. Yeast cell wall components seem more stable, at least in the feeder environment, and the moss and beta-glucans have well-documented beneficial effects on the hosts. I'd like to hear your thoughts on all of that as well. Thank you, Amanda. I love both of these questions so much, and I wanted to read both of them to you because I think that they are reflective of... Kind of a lot of people out there the the thought process so nikki's question is kind of what happens in that very beginning stage of our quest for new knowledge right she knows there's a long history maybe even a little tradition around this thing called brewer's yeast right and and she's starting to question if it's a tradition that is actually worth carrying on or if maybe her money could be a little bit better used elsewhere then Amanda's question is reflective of what happens just a little bit farther into that process. So I'm not sure of Amanda's background, but she she certainly seems to have a strong understanding of yeast in general. Um, and and she's obviously a little bit further down the rabbit hole, if you will, right? Meaning she's she's figured out that there are live yeast and there are yeast cell walls and then there are ancillary benefits such as MOS, um, which moss is M-O-S. It stands for mannan oligosaccharides. Um, And then she also mentioned, uh, you know, the beta-glucans. So I paired these questions together because I thought that, you know, they were a really great way to kind of introduce the basics of yeasts and the theory behind them. And then we'll maybe move into a little bit more detailed information um, and some of the things that we're discovering through research on them. So let's begin with you know just the the plain old brewer's yeast. okay? So this is the yeast that's associated with beer making. Um, and you can I mean you can literally go buy it off of the store in the, gro- the grocery store shelf. Um, it's a relatively high protein ingredient, and it's been around forever, right? and And it's been used in animal diets for a lot of years. In fact, it's it's one of the most commonly used ingredients in dairy cattle. Uh, rations. So very commonly used by dairy cattle nutritionists. Um, And if you look back at some of the early uh, professional articles that were written on feeding horses, so when I say professional articles, I'm talking about, you know, articles written by state extension specialists, by, um, you know, uh, the early equine nutrition um, researchers, etc. They, they, they talk about Brewer's yeast and and tout it for, for some of its benefits. And specifically, um, they talk about it being a really good source of B vitamins. Um, in fact, there, there are some who, uh, some of those papers out there um, consistently recommended it as a staple if you were feeding geriatric or senior horses. So, They were definitely big on putting these these brewer yeasts into the diets of an older horse, um, you know, that you were trying to get weight on, maintain weight, you know, keep them from dropping weight, keep them alive as long as possible. Um, Brewer's yeast was a really common additive. And then the other thing that's interesting is brewer's yeast was historically um, touted for its ability to turn a track sour racehorse around. Okay. So, um, you know, nutritionists and, and even horse owners would say things like brewer's yeast. When I add that into the diet, it helps stimulate the horse's appetite. Um, it, it helps that horse return to a more spirited energetic attitude, um, where their work and their performance both were improved but in general um when i went back and tried to really dig through some of that early research on brewer's yeast um there there really wasn't a lot done in horses which doesn't surprise me just because the research in horses um, was pretty limited um that that long ago um And then also, I I couldn't find any real, like, mode of action type of research. Um, And I think it's just because they weren't there yet, right? It was kind of, it was this new novel ingredient. Um, They had access to it, you know. And so they started feeding it to animals that had a high protein content, right? So that would have been the initial driving reason to incorporate brewer's yeast into any diet would be for that protein content. Um, But then they started seeing these kind of ancillary benefits that, you know, animals were growing better, responding better, um, you know, just in general acting better. So they started adding it then into the diets of a lot of different production animals and, and, and then equine diets. So that's that was kind of back in time a little bit but over time so once you start using an ingredient more often and you start seeing these kind of antidotal um, benefits then that's when research researchers are like well I want to see if that's really happening or if people just think it's happening. And so that's when your researchers and your scientists kind of step in and say, okay, we're going to start investigating. We're going to start diving into this product. What is Brewer's Yeast? What's its mode of action? What's it doing? Why is it helping these animals? Um, And so there was a lot of progress then that started um, to happen in research on yeast, so fast forward to today, um, there's actually a pretty decent amount of research, even in horses, on a variety of different yeast products, okay? So I'm going to, at this point, consider brewer's yeast, um, I'm going to call it kind of an old school nutritional technology. And the reason that I'm doing that is because um, in in the modern day, scientists have figured out how to break apart the specific components of yeast, right? They figured out how to identify unique strains because as Amanda mentioned in her questions, yes, strains matter um, in yeast just as much as they do in in other microbial um, ingredients. Uh, the, The researchers, they basically have the ability now to study these these strains and these components of yeast individually, and really figure out what they do, um, you know. And not only figure out what they do, but now that we know there are certain parts of this ingredient that have benefit within the body, um, you know, they've basically been able to isolate what those most effective components are, and then turn those into um, ingredients that they can reproduce exactly the same in a very controlled environment so that they get the exact same end product every single time. And I think that's the challenge with, you know, the, the quote old school brewer's yeast is it just, it had a lot of variation in that end product. Okay. So I, I'm a big fan of consistency. And so I am not going to be as apt to reach for brewer's yeast just because, um, what you get at the end is is not always necessarily going to be exact. So yeasts yeasts are a very complex topic. Um and and just keep in mind, I mean this is a, a 30 minute or less episode. And so I can't get super super deep into it. Um, maybe in future episodes down the road I'll be able to, I might um you know take certain components maybe and and dig a little bit deeper. But the the purpose of this episode really is to just kind of give this this broad overview and get everybody at least on the same page with these um, there are a slew of companies out there um, making their own versions of yeast products that then come to people like me and say hey will you put our ingredient in your feed or or you know in this supplement and there I think it's important to remember that you know while we're using the term yeast um, as a General broad term. There's actually a lot of difference among yeast. Okay, so different yeast components um, actually have specific names that must be used on the feed label, and then each of these are going to have different um, biological effects within the body. Okay, so I'm I'm going to list out some of these um, terms that you might see on an ingredient list, and then I will describe to you, or I'm I'm basically going to give you the AFCO definition um and afco if if you remember is the controlling or the um not necessarily controlling but they're the the recommending body if you will of um what feed ingredients what their actual name can be listed as so that there's the purpose there is to make sure that that you have consistency among um brands of products that are being sold commercially So Brewer's Dried Yeast, that is an official AFCO-recognized ingredient term. Um, If you see that term on a label, basically what what that means is that ingredient is um, spent yeast cells, okay? So Brewer's Yeast is dried, it is non-fermentative, it is non-extracted saccharomyces yeast that is a byproduct of brewing beer. Okay. It also must contain at least 35% crude protein. Okay. So that's, that's the definition that AFCO gives for brewer's dried yeast. So pay attention there. Brewer's yeast is non-fermentative. Okay. And, and it's divine, it's defined by its protein level. Okay. So if I'm thinking of brewer's dried yeast, I'm thinking protein. I'm thinking a protein source, right? Now, yes, there there are some some ancillary digestive benefits, um, and you know, as Nikki mentioned, her grandmother and her mother clearly have seen some of those benefits in the horses that that they were feeding it to through the years. Now, let's let's start um, moving into some of these other definitions now. So again, as technology has advanced, as research has advanced, we've started to figure out that we can um, separate and utilize certain components of yeast and that they have different actions within the body. So the next term I want to describe for you guys is the term active dry yeast. So if you see that term on your feed ingredient list, that means that that feed contains yeast that has been dried in such a way as to preserve a large portion of the fermenting power. Okay. And that yeast, that ingredient has to contain at least 15 billion live yeast cells per gram. Okay. So that yeast, so active dry yeast, that yeast is clearly being used for its probiotic benefits, right? Because it has live organisms. It has to have live microorganisms in it and it has to have at least 15 billion live cells per gram in order to even be classified as the term active dried yeast to go on that label now the third one that that I want to describe is a term called yeast culture so again that's something that if you were to go look at your ingredient list on your supplement or on your feed tag you would see the term yeast culture and if you see that that ingredient is the dried yeast. Now, it can either come from Saccharomyces cerevisiae, or it can come from Cloveromyces marxianus. Okay, so those are two different yeasts. So it contains one or both. That the feed or the supplement would contain one or both of those yeasts, plus the media on which those yeasts were grown. Okay, um, w- what that means is when when Scientists are, are, or when, they're, when you're trying to, to create a consistent end product, um, you have to ferment and you have to grow these yeasts on something. And so the media on which it was grown, that part of the term is just means that whatever that yeast was grown on um, to be commercially produced um, is also included in that end product. Now that t- the the definition also then goes on to say that that it must be dried in a way that preserves the fermenting activity of the yeast. okay. So notice that this yeast is not necessarily live, right, but it is utilized for its fermenting activity, right? So there's not a a um, specific, uh, live colony forming unit, like there's not a a number of live cells per gram that are a part of this particular definition. So yes, there could be live cells in there, um, but doesn't necessarily mean that there are. So this is the, the Ingredient, The yeast ingredient definition um, that has undergone a lot of research and scientists have identified and evaluated um, a variety of strains um, of both of these yeasts that I mentioned and each type provides, you know, its own set of unique benefits within the body. Okay, so just because you see the term yeast culture doesn't mean that there's one specific ingredient that you're getting um, because there are a lot of different yeast uh, ingredients out there that as a nutritionist we have to choose from. Unfortunately, they all fall under that same term yeast culture. Now, the fourth term that I want to... um, define for you guys is hydrolyzed yeast. Okay. So if you see the term hydrolyzed yeast under that ingredient list, um, what you're getting there is a concentrated, non-extracted, partially soluble yeast digest. Okay, where the whole yeast cell has basically been split apart using enzymes, and then what you're left with are beta glucans and mannan oligosaccharides or moss. So in this particular yeast ingredient, um, what you're really going after, what the big benefit in this particular ingredient is, is that moss and that beta glucan content. So let me let me actually explain those components just a little bit further, um, and especially since Amanda brought those up in in her initial question, I want to make sure that we address them just so that everybody has an understanding of what those are. So, MOS M um, O S stands for Mannan Oligosaccharides. Okay, and this is basically um, it's a product made from the the yeast cell wall. Okay. So research, um, I was actually kind of thumbing and cruising through uh, research papers, and I, I stumbled across a study that was done by the University of Illinois on um, a monogastric species. I think they were looking in in, in um, pigs. And, and when I say monogastric species, that means um, a, a, a digestive system, one single stomach, um, and then to the small intestine. So very similar to that of a horse, at least to the front half of the horse's digestive tract. So um, their research showed that moss actually had the ability to change the microbial populations in the digestive tract. Um, They found that moss can enhance the immune response, and it can actually alleviate overstimulation of the immune system. Um, They also found that moss is capable of increasing the total number of immune cells, okay? So looking at things like the leukocytes and the lymphocytes in the blood, Um, at a really early stage of infection by a disease, that that moss was actually able to to increase or kind of amp up that horse's immune response. So basically that means that, you know, when an animal gets sick, um, the body can respond really quickly and keep things under control early so that, you know, they don't progress into these advanced stages of sickness. So basically, you know, the body is becoming more agile and more responsive when moss is part of the diet. Now, the second term um, or the second component that falls under that hydrolyzed yeast, so is um, a product uh, called beta-glucans. And beta-glucans are basically, they're they're polysaccharides, which means they're they're chains of sugar um, that come also from the walls of the yeast, okay? So The the polysaccharides or the beta-glucans, they're utilized by the bacteria in the gut, and they're also known for their ability to help support that immune system. Um, In fact, a a human study showed that people who ate beta-glucan-enriched pasta for two months showed increased populations of the beneficial or the good bacteria that live in the gut, um, and they also had lower populations of the bad or the non-beneficial bacteria. Um, I also ran across a 2017 study in horses that showed that yeast beta-glucan supplementation does indeed modulate the immune system of horses, okay? So it's not something that just happens in pigs or in in humans. Um, That does also happen in in the equine. Um, And then I also found a uh, study done this year, actually 2021, that showed that beta-glucans improved um, a, a very important innate immune parameters, Uh, Within horses, and so that basically the the findings there, the conclusion there was that beta glucans might be really helpful to feed to horses uh, before stressful events. I am going to circle back um, to the term yeast culture because this is an area that I think warrants some attention, and it certainly is a term that you will find on almost every um, premium feed that I am involved with, (laughs) um, because I believe in it so much. So if you recall, I mentioned that there were two different yeasts that fall under that yeast culture term. They were Saccharomyces cerevisiae and Cloveromyces marxianus. Um, I actually use both of these, but I use them in slightly different applications. So, Cloveromyces um, is not as common in the United States, but I like it because um, research shows that it actually is able to resist the gastric shock, meaning it survives the harsh pH of the stomach acid, um, and it is capable of colonizing within that lower GI tract. Um, in fact, researchers found that that Cloveromyces is able to colonize um, with one hundred percent colonization within fourteen days. Meaning, um, when the product is fed um, at day fourteen, that product is established um, within the gut. So. Um, there's, there's actually, I guess it's important. It doesn't take that full 14 days for it to have a benefit, though. Um, it's just that 14 days was what they chose to look at, the time period they chose to look at. Um, another study actually showed that Cloveromyces can alter the fecal pH in horses in as little as three days. Okay, so it it, it is a very quick acting um, yeast, and and it's also capable of modulating the immune system. Um, so, so, research has shown that it can modulate the immune system, meaning it can, it can help the immune system be more responsive to invaders or pathogens. Um, Cleveromyces can also increase microbial populations. And it, it also helps increase the production of organic fatty acids, um, which are very important and beneficial to the body and very important to the health and the function of the microbiome within the gut. So, you know, this particular yeast, the Claveromyces marxianus, marxianis, um, it is and has been a staple in the all of the Intensify horse feeds that are manufactured by Blue Bonnet feeds. Um, and then it's also an active ingredient in the supplement called Transform DSI that is made by Stride Animal Health. Like I said, it's it's not really a common ingredient in the United States, so you're not going to see it on the label of a lot of feeds. Um, but it certainly is one that I really believe in. Um, I think it makes a world of a difference in, in horse's digestive health. I just, I've, I've just seen so much, um, you know, of course there's the research that says that it's beneficial and it works and it gets where it's supposed to go and it does what it's supposed to do. But then, you know, there's just this whole other side of it where you see it for yourself and you use it in your own horses and you use it in client horses and you see the, the benefit and the difference that it makes. Um, you know, and then knowing that, that, you know, blue bonnet and stride are some of the only, you know, companies or brands that are using that particular ingredient in their horse diets, Um, you know, and, and so then when you get that feedback of, from someone like, oh, I've tried every, you know, feed, I've tried this feed or that feed or this supplement or that supplement, I, you know, they were supposed to have digestive support, but I didn't feel like I saw that much of a difference. And then they go on to an intensify feed or, or they put a horse on transform DSI and they do see that difference. Like that just reconfirms in my mind that, you know, this particular strain is really having a beneficial impact. Now, the other yeast ingredients um, or the other yeast that falls under the term yeast culture is, um, so I had mentioned Saccharomyces cerevisiae is the other yeast that is part of that term. Um, there are a lot more products out there that are of the Saccharomyces. Um, so, the the I guess the thing to keep in mind here is that Yeast really can function in three different ways. So they can act as prebiotics, they can act as probiotics, and they can also act as postbiotics, okay? So a prebiotic is a non-living, it basically is acting as a food source for the living microorganisms that live within the gut, the the good bacteria, um, or the good microbes. Probiotics, those are actual live microorganisms. And then postbiotics are the metabolites or the end products that occur from the process of the probiotics consuming the prebiotics. So even within the term yeast culture, you can have any combination of, you might have only prebiotics, you might have only probiotics, you you might have postbiotics, right? So you can have any combination of those. So, speaking of postbiotics, I am a huge, huge postbiotic fan. So, when they are used at certain very high levels, um, new research in horses has shown that postbiotics can actually lead to proper joint support and mobility. Um, they clearly help support a healthy microbiome. They can even help manage stress in horses, meaning they can help control the stress hormone cortisol. And then, of course, they, they certainly help support a healthy immune response. So Equiline ProCare, it's a feed made by Blue Bonnet Feeds. It was the first horse feed on the market to contain postbiotics in those new research-proven levels. Um, that, that feed's been available for two years already and, and other companies are just now starting to catch on to the benefits of postbiotics and, you know, what inclusion level is required to hit those benefits, right? So, so these postbiotics, you know, have been used in a lot of feeds at lower levels for a lot of years, but it's interesting that the newer research found that when you really ratchet up that dosage, um, that you can get some pretty amazing, um, additional benefits within the body. So if you are interested in incorporating prebiotics, probiotics, and postbiotics um, into your horse's diet, um, you can certainly get all of those through Equiline Procare that Feed by Blue Bonnet feeds. But if you'd rather go the supplement route, there is a supplement called ADR from Stride Animal Health. Okay. Um, ADR for those of you who are curious uh, it that is a play on the the old uh, veterinary term ain't doing right <laughs> so you know ah doc that horse just ain't doing right um, and so that that product is called is called ADR because that's usually the go-to product for a horse that just ain't doing right <laughs> um, you know ADR is one of the the simplest and most effective ways to support hind gut health um, but the inclusion of of postbiotics then gives you that whole next level. All of those secondary benefits, you know, helping manage that inflammation that can occur in the joints, helping reduce those stress hormones in your horse. I mean, in my mind, every barn every trailer going down the road needs adr in their possession (laughs) it is literally one of the easiest things that you can add into your program to support your horse's appetite improve that digestion you know support the microbiome of the gi tract um, but then of course get these new added benefits on top of it so i guess bottom line um you know when it comes to yeast if you're looking at a tag and you're looking at that ingredients list um, I personally am generally not going to get real super excited over the term brewer's yeast um, I think it was a really great technology 30 years ago um, it certainly is not going to be harmful I mean it'll 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 have some benefit for sure but in today's world um, there just are so many more advanced consistent reliable forms of yeast um, that we can use on our horse's diet to get a much stronger impact on their their general or their overall health. Now, if you are, you know, let's say you're just purely interested in incorporating a little extra protein into your horse's diet, um, if you remember the term brewer's yeast, one of the defining factors is that it must contain at least 35% protein. Um, so, you know, it it is a good protein ingredient. Um, but as I said, you know, if you're looking at it as strictly a digestive aid, I just think that there are better options out there. Not saying that it's a bad option. Um, it's, it certainly is, is better than doing nothing. Um, but I, I just believe that there are a lot um, more effective yeasts out there that can be added into horse diets. So the term yeast culture is a definite yes. Um, the problem there, like I said earlier, there are just so many different ingredients out there that all fall under this term. So it's a little bit tough to know which one the manufacturer is using Um, and if the manufacturer is even using it at levels that are needed in order to get the kind of research-proven results that I was talking about earlier. Um, The term active dry yeast is absolutely a good one as well, and since it is an active yeast, um, it must contain live colony-forming units. So if you see the term active dry yeast most of the time, you should also see a minimum guarantee under the analysis on the label. And that, that's what will give you the confidence in what that formula actually contains. And then lastly, the term hydrolyzed yeast is a great one to see on a label because it tells you that the product includes moss and beta-glucans, and those things can help bind mycotoxins that might be present in your hay or your grass. And then it can also support a healthy and robust immune system that's quick to respond to invaders. All right. I think that wraps up everything on yeast, at least everything that I'm going to cover today. So, um, remember you can always go follow me on Facebook and Instagram, just search at Dr. Jimmy. Um, again, I would love it if you guys would leave me a rating and a review on my Facebook page. Um, and also if you have the ability to leave a rating or, or a hopefully five-star review on your podcasting app, I would sure appreciate that. Um, You know, again, it's just the the more people that that, um, find out about Feed Room Chemist, uh, the bigger impact that we can have on the horse world and just the overall health of horses in general. Um, And then don't forget to use the hashtag Feed Room Chemist when you're posting on all of these social media channels so that I can follow your conversations. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.